What up, people? Rangers play tonight. One o'clock on the East Coast, guys. Now, Dan Nathan back. Carter Braxton Worth back. Butters back. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It is the market call. It is Thursday. Yeah. I hope everybody's doing well. I think it's the 18th. I mean, this month, like, flying by. Of the flying by. And, you know, yesterday was interesting. The aftermarket, we saw some things, but let's drill down. Let's take a look at our rundown for today's show. Semi stocks soaring like a bird. On the back of Taiwan Semi, I mean, NVIDIA doesn't stop. Apple, back in the saddle. That's an Aerosmith song, but they covered it. I can't tell you who wrote it originally, back in the saddle again. And we do a little chart, chart check on Disney because, you know what? I don't know. It's like 90 bucks forever. How are you, Dan? I'm doing well. You know, it's interesting. Let, let's start with the semis here because I know Carter's going to take a look at them in a couple minutes um, on the technical setup. But this is one that's interesting to me, Taiwan Semi, which we know obviously is a huge manufacturer of chips for some of the biggest companies out there. Look at this split screen. Okay, so this is really interesting, guys. Well, like so, so this is from the, the, from the FT, and you see what's gone on there with military action. We know that we had that Taiwanese election uh, over the weekend. And then on the flip side of this, you see see Taiwan Semi, which we know is right at the core of, of a lot of these sorts of um, issues as it relates to China and their one China policy and what Taiwan has been able to build away from them. But, you know, on a day to see Taiwan Semi up 7% on guidance guide, which I got to tell you, I'm looking at it and I'm saying the prior guidance for the March quarter was 18 billion to 18.8 billion. The prior consensus um, was 18.2. You do the midpoint there, you have a slight higher midpoint. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't, I mean, does that justify a 7% move to you? I, no, but the, I think it wasn't as bad as, no. Yeah. But I don't think it was as bad as people anticipated. So I think the estimates on the street, according to the facts that I think there are 23 estimates for revenue, first quarter revenue, somewhere between 17.4 billion and 19.15 billion. So effectively what yeah. they came in and did was they tweaked the, the yeah, they tightened yeah. it up and they sort of raised it a hair, so right, 18.4 versus 18.14-ish expected. I think people are getting excited. That's fine. I mean, we've seen this before from Taiwan Semi where the quarter isn't particularly great, but they say, you know, things are going to get better, and it buys them some time, and it seemingly, worked, seemingly has worked a couple times. I don't know if you want to throw By the way, China steps up military exercises around Taiwan. Yes, I mean, we've been talking about that for a while. Nobody seems to think that's a big deal. I still think it's a big deal, but let's put up a Taiwan semi longer term chart if you want, because the level we just traded up to is the same sort of level we traded up to in June, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And here you are. So you take a look. So obviously, listen, it's been trading well for a period of time. I don't think valuation is ridiculous, but the market is clearly giving them a huge haul pass, I think. Yeah, look at the five-year chart. And, and uh, you know, this one's kind of interesting to me, to your point about where it traded back in June. Let's see. Um, if it can kind of hold these gains mm -hmm. also. I see NVIDIA that was up nearly 3%. Maybe we can get a day chart of NVIDIA, um, you know, which has just been off to the races this year. Um, that's giving back, you know, some of today's bit. gains a little bit. So let's just see, you had you had some, you know, news, which I, I don't think is particularly like um, that crazy, but let's see if NVIDIA will close in that gap and what some of these other things do. There's also an upgrade of Apple guy at um, uh, Merrill Lynch. Merrill Lynch had a sell on the stock, okay, which is interesting. There's a bunch of um, downgrades, you know, to start this year off a little bit. And we know we've been talking about this one. You know, there's no Gen AI product. We know that they have this Vision Pro. 
headset coming out in the next couple of weeks or so. This is not something that people are particularly excited about. AR, VR does not seem like the AI mm-hmm. thing that people are excited about. Thoughts here, because we pulled this one up, 180 bucks. It kind of got down there um, out when it was in the throes of that sell-off. Okay, I think at one point it was down 10%, 200 to 180. That's about 10%, would you say? So? Yeah, okay. I, it looks like they raised their price target to 225 Bank of America. Good for them. It's interesting the way this stock trades. You know, you get downgrades, 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 and the one upgrade takes it right back to levels when the downgrade started. So. <laughs> People want to be enthusiastic, which I totally understand. I'll say this as well. They report on February 1st. There's a lot of ground between here and there. And given where the stock is trading and given the euphoria around semis and everything else, I really believe they have to perform. This quarter has to be a quarter that, quite frankly, we haven't seen over the last year or so. I mean, they need to start to see, I think, a reacceleration of margins, maybe some renewed revenue and earnings growth. Uh, We'll see what happens on that front. This is an interesting guy. And so we've been talking about Apple and Microsoft, both about $3 trillion in market cap, right? And you do the math on that. They make up a significant percent of the S&P 500, those two companies. Now they're going to go back and forth now between who is the market cap leader, um, but you know, based on how the stocks are trading here. I do think it's interesting. If you look at the RSP, that is equal weight S&P 500 index versus the S&P market cap weighted, okay, where those two stocks, what do they make up, like 13% or something like that combined of the S&P market cap weighted. So the S&P is down about a half a percent on the year, while the equal weight S&P is down about 3% of the year. So are we just crowding back into all of those things once again? 100%. I saw the statistics today. I can't cite the uh, Twitter account, so I apologize. But exactly what you're saying, I've seen a couple times over the last few days that we're, I don't want to say the market is making the same mistakes because it was not a mistake to do that. But the market is falling into that same pattern where, you know, these handful 10 or so stocks are driving pretty much everything. Now you're getting participation in some of these ancillary names like a Taiwan Semi, for Mm -hmm. example, and some of these other names, which I guess is a good thing. Semis continue to outperform the broader market. However, I think that's concerning yet again because, you know, all the eggs in that one seemingly one basket, you know, I don't know, especially given some of the valuations these stocks trade at, I don't know how that's going to wind up working out all that well. Well, our good friend, Danny Moses, who is our co-host of the On The Tape podcast, he's been mentioning this now for a few months now that the MAG 7 should be the MAG 6. Tesla, you know, Breaking it's, down. it's down 3% today. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking about that. Carter actually was pounding the table over the last few weeks talking about this uh, trend channel that has been in. It, it's broken here. Um, this one just actually heavy. They report next week. So it'll be interesting to see what they have to say. And I think we threw a, 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 a list of the uh, EV stocks up last uh, week. But just I'm eyeballing this. I mean, Rivian's down 33% of the year. Lucid's down, you know, almost 40% of the year. Uh, Polestar is down 15% of the year. Xpeng's down 33% of the year. Neo's down 31% of the year. And Tesla's down, you know, I don't know, maybe almost 17, 18%. Well, so it's not, it's not a good, good no, it's not. Here. I mean, Rivian, I'm not picking on Rivian. I'm not. If you look at it over the last you know, year or so, there've been some serious bounces. I mean, this is a stock that I almost, I want to say went from 15 to 28 mm-hmm. over the summer. I mean, these, those are huge moves, but here we are right back at 15. So that's the Rivian chart. Again, just for shits and giggles, pull up a longer-term Rivian chart, and you'll see it looks like we've been flatlining it. There you go. In this name for quite some time. So I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I think for every car Rivian sells for eighty something thousand dollars, they lose about one hundred and forty or so thousand dollars. So they haven't figured it out either. And quite frankly, 
even with the move down today, um, it's still probably yeah. be an expensive stock. But real quick before we bring in Carter. Well, I just want to say one thing. So they have $9 billion in cash. Yeah, okay. So they, no, well, hold yeah. on. So, so if you just want to look at the net income losses, okay, over the next you know few years, it's about $9 billion. So when you think about the enterprise value for this company and you think about the losses per car, you almost have to say to yourself, can this thing do what, what Tesla did right. 10 years ago? You know, you know what I'm saying? And, right. and, and map themselves to, you know, it's got a $9 billion enterprise value. Would you rather pay $700 billion for Tesla here or $9 billion on the hope and the prayer that, that Rivian is able to get it right? Fair enough. So the only difference is the head start that Tesla had yeah. was significant, right? So now Rivian's playing in a very somewhat crowded yeah. pool. So we'll see. Fair enough. I mean, we're not getting bogged down in Rivian yeah. here, but nope. you see what we're doing. But if we could pull up a Tesla <laughs> chart, because we've talked about this pennant formation seemingly for the last couple of months. We've mentioned how the ranges are getting smaller and smaller. We were going to break out to the upside, which we didn't think would happen, or we'd break the uptrend line and break out, break down to the downside. And that's seemingly what's happening. And I got to tell you something, you know, in the, in the, in the face of a broader market that hangs in there, a NASDAQ that continues to perform, Tesla has traded shitty yeah. over the last couple of years. It has entirely underperformed both the NASDAQ and the broader market for quite some time. And you're precariously close to trading down the levels we saw probably in the fall of last year. Yeah. All right. Well, let's bring them in here. Maybe they could leave that chart up there for a second, the five-year chart of Tesla. Carter Braxton Worth, of Worth Charting. What's and Dubs. what's going on? Well, so so, yeah, so last, last the, week you were pounding the table. You thought it would break, you know, lower. It has about 10%, and I think, in that time period or so. You know, Carter, just put some context on this. When you look at this five-year chart, okay, and you were mm -hmm. to draw a line, they can let, let's uh, let's see if Amanda can just like start drawing a line from that all-time high. We are down 50% to be clear from yeah. that all-time high in late 21. We know that the stock market's up a lot more. I mean, Carter, when you use that expression to the penny and you no doubt you undoubtedly coined that expression, how is it that that has six points in the last almost mm -hmm. year and a half or two years that literally line up like to the penny? How does that happen? Sure. That's the, uh, that is the, that is the point of that expression, um, which is to say it, it literally is that precise trend lines matter. And it's an anathema, right? It's a great, uh, it confounds the CFA side, the Federal Reserve Bank, people at Harvard Business School, they hate it. They're like, this can't be, this is outrageous. It's got to be uh, something to do with the DCF model. It's got to be with price to sales, enterprise value, but uh, it's got to be with recall, something to do with uh, adoption rates of uh, electric Listen, it's just sometimes about money flow, about levels, and about where money was made and lost, where shares were bought or where they were sold, which is to say where supply um, that comes into play. Now, this is remarkably precise. It almost gets into, is it voodoo or something? It's not about that. It's just trying to respect the, the concept of a pictorial representation of price and that uh, we want to adhere to and uh, be mindful of and respect key levels. And so, indeed, this stock has rallied repeatedly and failed at that well-defined downtrend line, in effect, since its peak. Um, but, you know, this is one of the most volatile uh, you get volatility like this, and it's a Smith cap stock. It's a biotech. I mean, for such a big stock to have this kind of volatility, it is remarkable. And yet, the real question is, and this is sort of outside anyone's uh, purview, is this somehow a long-term enduring uh, enterprise that really has changed the world, 
they're the battery company for all. Or did they just create a very clever mousetrap that now is being copied over and over and over from the e-tron, the you know, Audi or the Mustang and the Rivian, and that basically it's just an overpriced car company. I have no clue. I know that's what people talk about long-term and people have to come to a judgment at that. Um, my own thought is let's leave all that alone and just try to trade it when we can. Um, yeah. At some no, point, sorry, like Apple, say what, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Carter. What I was to say was if you draw, it's interesting because I think we did this exercise last week, you and I, but there are two uptrend lines you can draw. Now, the first one you can draw is where the point there and those points here, and there's your pennant formation. Or you could say, you know what? There's a different trend line. There's a different uptrend line that we actually broke a while ago. And then yeah. all I did with that move back higher was to trade back up to the downtrend line. So I don't want to get too wonky here, but my point is, regardless of how you look at this, whether it traded below, did a retrade back to the downtrend or broken uptrend, it looks sort of broken here. And I think that 197 level-ish, which was, I want to say, the low in October, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, that's, there's a huge bullseye on that, I think. And then we have to have a conversation about you know, how does this thing look in earnings? Yeah, all the above. I mean, it's under pressure and the day-to-day relative strength is so poor where you have, you know, uh, it's outlier underperformance versus almost all uh, other uh, equally important large cap, super cap stocks, but also relative to the market, relative consumer discretionary sector, uh, and it goes on and on. Uh, it's just uh, under pressure. And for now, uh, respect the momentum. The momentum is to the downside. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, uh, Carter, we've been talking about Apple over the last few weeks. It was to start this year off, sentiment was pretty poor. We saw some downgrades. Um, here we are, we just got an upgrade today as we talked about as we go into earnings season. You know, you just want to be mindful of the sentiment shifts that might occur, right? Like if you have too many analysts going to one side and too many investors selling, when we finally get to the results, you know, you have the sort of situation that we had maybe with Taiwan Semi where the guidance and the results weren't that great, but it wasn't as bad as people expected. So you want to be um, careful of some of that stuff. Let's go back to the semis though here for a second, Carter. You had a note out on worth charting um, today. And I thought it was really interesting, especially on a day with Taiwan Semi up this much for, for reasons that, you know, to me are, are a little bit head scratching. We know that, you know, NVIDIA got out of the gate this year and it's just been off to the races making seemingly new highs every day. Love to get your take on the space in general, especially as we get into the meat of earnings over the next week or two. Yeah, so, uh, you know, sometimes you do a look back or just try to revisit, sort of reiterating uh, a call or abandoning uh, one that's no good. The point of this uh, very, very brief note to clients, and you see it here, was just we had a lot of incoming emails and inquiries saying, what do you think of the strength in semis? And we wrote here, are we the strength in semis? We have no new thoughts, which is to say we would simply reiterate the December 13th Thought the December thirteenth thought there uh, excerpted in blue is is just what it is. Play for the breakout, and so now the breakout is underway. One month later, um, Nvidia obviously had a very strong um, week or uh, last week, a week before, but now you're getting others to participate. Uh, semis are an important part of the market. All thirty stocks in the Philadelphia Semiconductor uh, Index add up to about four point three trillion, uh, so obviously bigger than Apple or Microsoft as a group. Uh, but the big weight is, of course, a Taiwan Semi, which you all just looked at, and then also NVIDIA. But my hunch is you've seen laggers like Intel come to life. Uh, AMD is acting well. It's uh, just a space that is exhibiting bullish price volume correlation, impressive relative strength to both the tech sector, to the market. And as such, I think you just respect it and stay long, be long.
Yeah. And, you know, I think the chart, December 13th, so that's a look back and it was correct. Today, SMH made a new all-time high of 180. So that uptrend line, you know, time decay, in this case, it's not decay, it's actually appreciation. But if we were to go back to that chart real quick, the longer, the farther out we get, the higher that point becomes. So this could theoretically, I guess, Carter, and I'm, I'm probably sort of leading the witness, but you could have a check back towards 155, 160 and still be in this up channel and still be very constructive here. Sure. And and we did. I mean, the point is we had the gap uh, up and out and then the check back that's already occurred. So not likely to get a check back anytime soon, having just had one. But either way, it would be an opportunity if one isn't big enough or wants to try to have a more favorable entry point. Um, but by my real thinking is you want to be present here, whether it's small or large, because uh, for now, the momentum is real and it's likely to continue. Yeah. And, and I just want to bring this point up today because obviously this is not a day trade. This is not something you're saying, you know, you're reiterating something from December 13th that's working. Um, and, and to Guy's point, there's going to be a back and fill on some of the stuff. There's going to be opportunities. Look at the day chart right now. If they could pull up a two day of AMD. Um, we just talked about how NVIDIA has given back a bunch of today's gains. Intel is trading at the lows of the day. Um, it was much higher earlier today. I, I, I like to try to find this intraday action, you know what I mean? And, and, and basically, you know, maybe that the Taiwan semi news was um, what everybody was waiting for. You got the pop. And then, you know, if you want to look at the other ones, so just be mindful of these gaps being filled and, and might we get some follow through um, tomorrow? Again, this is not your call. I'm just kind of uh, highlighting that. Yeah, and real quick. Yeah, I mean, I mean you saw in the bank, right? And JP Morgan flaring up and then fading. And that does happen when sort of everyone's positioned one way. Uh, and the question is, which the primary data point, which is the secondary? Is the initial opening strength the primary in this reaction the secondary? Or is it closing the red? Do we call this a failed uh, day? I think in principle, though, the group is so strong, uh, but not extended. And that's uh, that's the favorable setup. Yeah, that's why I was going to real quickly bring up AMD which is already traded today, 90 million shares, typically trades 60, made a new all-time. I, I want to be careful. I want to make sure I'm right. Very near do, an all-time high. I want to say it's pretty exactly, very near an all-time high here today. Definitely made a 52-week high today and is obviously reversed. So that's something to watch uh, for the rest of the day as well, Carter, before we get to your Disney note, which I think is interesting as well. So let's pull up your Disney note. Yeah, quick question here, Carter. Are you um, having... Easier time finding bullish setups right now in, in the stock market or, or I'm just, you know, like, does the change of the year do anything for you in the work that you do um, looking through stuff, you know, in general or? Um, yeah, not so much. I mean, if you think about it, a really good, it's like anything, a really good idea, a really good house that you're looking for homes or really good date or whatever is, they're rare. They should be rare, right? I mean, the point is that a great inflection point uh, holding aside the funny metals, a, a great setup on a chart, uh, there there shouldn't be that many of them. And when there are a lot of them, obviously, it speaks to a certain circumstance in the market. For instance, if you have a lot of bearish to bullish reversals, you'll see that um, in the middle of 09, where after a, after a crash, right, things are bottoming. Um, but uh, here and now, it's sort of standard fare. You know, one out of 20, I would say, is typically the thing. Uh, selectivity factor of 5%, one out of 20 charts it looks interesting and then the others, uh, you know, okay, pair of twos, okay, huh? nothing to say, nothing to do. Well, speaking of bearish to bullish reversals, again, you found one, I think, in Disney. So let's take a look at your charts and some of your thoughts there. 
Sure. And so, you know, Disney is a controversial name. The key is for a bearish to bullish reversal is the preceding weakness, the bearishness. And while we don't see that much here, you'll see in the longer term charts. So we have four one-year charts. The smoothing mechanism, the 150 average is starting to flatten. Uh, we can also put in a trend line uh, or other annotations. Let's look at the second iteration. And it, is, it doesn't have to fit into the textbook, uh, whether you want to call it a head and shoulders or cup. And those are just words. It's how a reversal starts, right? Where you come out of a downtrend, you don't make a new low, then you make a slightly new intermediate high. If we put in a trend line here, you'll see it. Um, we we overshot, we check back to it, and we're strengthening again. And this is, uh, again, from a day or two ago, the stock's, uh, I think, up again today. Let's put them all together, four of four. And so uh, my hunch is that that initial uh, strength in November with the gaps is very important. We've consolidated well. And now, uh, two months later, yeah, I would say this is the setup for a reassertion of strength. But these annotations, uh, if we put these on a longer-term chart, take a look, and uh, what you'll see is... So it's this epic wipeout, right? And then what's really important is where is this action as annotated by the green um, lines? Where is this happening? If you look at an even longer term chart, and this is the key part, the, the bottoming out action is happening not randomly to the penny at the COVID low. That makes it that much more important. So for a stock to give back 80 plus percent and to go to an epic moment in time, a hundred year storm, a pandemic, a plague, millions of people dying, and nobody's going to any uh, theme parks or anything, movie there. And it starts to find its footing at that reference point. Look, look at the next iteration. Um, and you can see how the lines uh, and final iteration on the long-term chart, it's literally, uh, we can do, it's, it's literally to the penny. And so We've moved above the downtrend line. This is known. We held at a critical level, uh, not just a, a random low, uh, the COVID low. And the day-to-day -day relative strength is impressive. Uh, so buy, sell, hold. It gets down to that. Uh, I'm a buyer. Yeah. Uh, right. Maybe we have some long-term charts. Let's just end with that. I think we do. And we can, so this is an all-data chart going back to the 70s. If we flash that trend line on and off, I mean, you know, come on. So yeah, it's pretty precise. Put some arrows in just to make a point. And, you know, the uh, to the penny, <laughs> it's just what it yeah. is. And then do we buy it? Flannel, I think we do. Look at the green arrow. Well, I think what's clear to, to me, and Guy and I have been talking about this just as it relates to the fundamentals also. I mean, that 80 level, that, that level that was the COVID low, it wasn't down there for too long. You know, it's been standing out there for now three years, right? And so we had a proper test of it late last year. And so, like, to me, the fact that we were able to bounce on, on seemingly fundamental news and then investors are getting, you know, there, there was a time where, Guy, and, and I think you would agree with this, is that, like, a lot of institutional investors were like, this is too complicated of a story right mm -hmm. now, right? At a time where there's a bunch of different inflection points going on in their businesses that they might not have hit properly or whatever. So with Iger coming back, they're trying to simplify this stuff. They know that there's activist investors around that sort of thing. It seems like people are more comfortable right now with the fundamental kind of, uh, you know, future of this company than they were, let's say, three years ago. The last point I'll just make is that it's actually now getting back to kind of mid to high single teens earnings growth for the next couple of years, mid single digits uh, sales growth, and it's trading about 21 times this year, which is basically a market multiple and about 17 and a half next. So, the way I think about this, if you buy into everything that Carter is saying about the charts, and then you can start to see a, a slightly better fundamental 
foot forward, right? The valuation's not bad. Uh, I don't know, guy, thoughts there? Because I, I, I would just use an 80 stop on this thing, buying at 90 and stopping at 80. Yeah, I mean, that's probably a little far, but it may, that's the level. But I'll say this in terms of the story. It was complicated. I think it's becoming a bit clearer in terms of their vision. But given these trend lines and given the fact that we've tried to break it a couple times and have not been able to, into earnings on February 7th, this is one that could just sort of levitate back to that, you know, high $90 level, which we've seen a couple different times over the last year or so. So into earnings on the 7th, given the charts that Carter just laid out, I think you can play this for the long side. Now, I'll say this, and I'm not hedging. Typically with Disney, all bets are off because we've seen both sides of the spectrum. We've seen yeah. disasters where the stock gets obliterated, and we've seen surprises where it gets up 8 to 10%. But into earnings and you have a couple of weeks, I think you can play from the long side right up until that February 7th date and they report after the close that day. All right. We'll be sure to check that one out again before they report. Carter, we really appreciate you coming on. Your takes. Um, we'll talk to you later this week. Thanks so much. Talk man. to you later. Okay. Thanks, bud. Parts um, unknown. He's like an undisclosed location. Undisclosed. Undisclosed. Um, guy, couple big movers in today's session here. Um, we got to hit this Humana, okay? Um, because I think this one is kind of interesting. Pre-announcement before the opening, you know, it's it's interesting. Before COVID caused um, uh, this focus on inflationary pressures, supply chains, and all this other stuff, you've been talking about education and healthcare inflation not measured properly in the things that the Fed is looking in, and a lot of businesses use that sort of thing. Look at that gap right yeah. there, okay? When you think about that. So they're talking about higher costs. They're talking about a whole host of other things there. Um, you know, this is not a small company. UNH, which is obviously one of the biggest companies in 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 the, in the U.S. by market cap term, is down in sympathy here. Thought, thoughts here. Uh, look at that one. I mean, like, this, I mean this is a $50 billion company, give or take. At least it was. <laughs> and the, this move that we're seeing today, I mean, the move of this magnitude down 10.5%. This comes in the wake of, well, look at what we've done over the last, I don't know, four or five months. I mean, this was a 500, I want to say mm -hmm. $525, $500, $30 stock. So this is in addition to the losses we've seen, excuse me, over the last couple months. A lot of people, this is one of those stocks that people just throw out there, you, you know, pretty much unanimously love. But there's troubling, I mean, it's a bit troubling here, a series of lower highs and lower lows. Since the fall of 2022, you can look at a chart. It speaks to that. We got a bullseye on sort of the December 2020. I want, well, excuse me. I want to say like early January 2022 low of 365. And I think that chart speaks to it right there. So you can do the horizontal line. And without question, I mean, we can visit this. UNH has been hanging in there. But I think people really got themselves offsides in a number of these stocks. Yeah, well, UNH is basically I mean, it's only yeah. down 3% today, yeah. and it's... But it's a half a trillion dollar yeah. market cap. And so it's 10x that of Humana, and the 52-week high came on December 1st. It was $554, so we're you know down... Which you know, may six, have been an all-time high, but it, yeah. with, again, within Whisper. So same story, better company, similar, obviously, you know, similar business models. But... Then you can start saying, well, wait a second. If Humana's feeling this, and some, what's what could potentially happen to UNH? Or is it zero sum where Humana loses and UNH yeah. wins? I don't know, but you're right to bring it up because it's disappointing. Yeah, I mean, anytime I see a, a, a stock that's not some goofy um, AI stock no. or some 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 small, you know, I don't know, tech 
thing or whatever down like that, you want to pay attention. Another one today, Discover Financial, DFS, yeah. down about 11%. Again, $25 billion market cap company. But some of the things that they had to say about loans and reserves and, and delinquencies and the like, um, you know, pretty interesting. Look at that. It's gotten all the way back to, look at that gap level from almost a year ago, right, into our little um, regional banking crisis here. So we basically reversed that entire move, almost filled in that gap. It seems like that's a foregone conclusion. Guy, you know, to have that sort of movement in, in one day, taking out a, a few months of performance at a time where a lot of investors were trying to get their arms around basically the uh, the regional banking crisis um, or the mark-to-market issue that that a lot of these companies have with their held to maturity, you know, portfolios in the rear view mirror, it doesn't appear that's the case. Well, the quarter itself was was a disaster. But then you start trying to figure out, okay, what are people looking at here? And this all speaks to sort of the credit story and the health of the consumer. And if you don't believe me, just go and listen or read the transcripts. I mean, the 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 provisions they're taking are troubling in a word. And you know, they're obviously seeing, I mean, the net charge-offs, I think were about 4.1% and 3.5% in the third quarter. I mean, these are up significantly year over year. Problem is, as I said, delinquencies are going to start to, I think, manifest themselves in a meaningful way. And that's not particularly good for these stocks specifically, but what more in a macro sense, what is it saying about the consumer and the health of the consumer. That's my biggest takeaway from this. Yeah, and it's interesting when we talk about the health of the consumer and you talk about companies able to kind of push through costs, right? Well, that was a story, I think, maybe, you know, 2021, 2022, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And so when you just think about that and you think about um, what this means for corporate margins at a time where inflation has not collapsed, I think, in the last few months, the way a lot of people had hoped they would. You know, the dollar did start to rise again. We started to have some other issues that relate to supply chains as it relates to energy and the like. So input costs um, going higher is, is something that you want to keep an eye on. So that's a pretty good segue here. Um, I think all of our listeners, all of our viewers know that we get a preview of John Butter's sure. insight uh, analysis that drops in your email box every Friday morning. We get it on Thursday on the market call. And, you know, he's focused. And I think this is a really important guy. uh, As we really get into the meat of Q4 earnings, he's focused on margins here. So there's two charts. Let's let's just run through these because I think this is something that we're going to continue to hear throughout earnings season or when we start to see companies do better than expected or worse than expected, um, it's going to be on the margin front, guy. So here's what Butters is saying here. The blended includes actual plus estimated results, net profit margin for the S&P 500 for Q4 2023 is about 10.9%. This is currently the lowest Mm -hmm. for the index since Q4 of 2020, which is pretty fascinating. Okay. It also marks the largest quarter over quarter decline in the net profit margin since Q1 2020 versus Q4 2019. All 11 sectors, and we're going to talk about that, but the next thing is all 11 sectors are now reporting a quarter over quarter decrease in profit margins, all 11 sectors. I don't remember the last time we could say in, you know, the, the unanimity of everything sort of lined up. And that's a so much of the so much of why companies get a premium multiple get the multiple over market multiples because their ability to generate margins if margins are decreasing the market is going to i think it's going to punish them for that and when you say something the lowest we've seen since the fourth quarter of 2020 i mean i think that sort of makes yeah. you sort of take notice a bit so we all remember what was going on then this is really important but what i'll tell you if you look at this the S&P 500, clearly the semiconductors are telling an entirely different story. 
So the question I think you have to ask yourself, what do you believe? The broader market and margins are going to start to reaccelerate or this decline in margins is going to filter its way into the broader market? Yeah, and I guess Semis is a great juxtaposition to this guy. If you think about it, like some of the other things that we've talked about today on Market Call, we were talking about DFS, we're talking about a consumer, we're talking about where consumer savings are dwindling, where delinquencies are going higher, the cost of capital, the cost of borrowing are a lot higher. We have a dollar that's moving higher. So there's tons of headwinds as you think about towards the sort of margins that companies would normally try to pass through cost increases, right, to their customers. Um, Semiconductors are probably not one that you have to worry a whole heck of a a lot about uh, in the meantime. So again, Will semiconductors face inflationary pressures if they have to reshore a lot of manufacturing? 100%. No doubt about it. But the other headline about Taiwan Semi this morning that I thought did not catch nearly as much news as the stock or this, the, the, the news sending the stock up 7% was that their second fab that they're supposedly building here in the U.S. in Arizona has been pushed out a bit, right? So these are all things that have meant to be happening over the last few years. And this is all going to be part of that tit for tat in that kind of like chip war that we have going on with China too. We'll see. I mean, Taiwan Semi, we've said this, you've said it, one of the five, six, seven most important companies in the world. The market liked what they heard from them in terms of guidance. We'll see again. They bought themselves some time. I remember, I think they did that about a year and a half or so ago where the quarter was lousy, but they backloaded the entire thing and the market gave them the benefit of the doubt then. By the way, Matrix of Compassion asked a question about Tesla. Hopefully we addressed it in the conversation with Carter. I think we did because we looked at a lot of charts. And I do see that support at that 194 level. And we are precariously close to that. So keep that in mind. And it's interesting. You know, we play this game before we get out. If you had told me where Tesla would be trading and then said, okay, where's the NASDAQ or the S&P? I would have said significantly lower than we are now because typically, well, what's happened is Tesla's become one of the truly big sentiment stocks, mm-hmm. but obviously it's not manifesting itself in the market right now. You know, it's interesting, and, and we've highlighted this, um, the last three quarters that Tesla has reported, mm-hmm. the stock has sold off the next day almost 10% in each time. So the last time was 9.3%, the time before that 9.74%, the time uh, before that 9.75%. I've made this point that despite how the stock trades in between earnings, mm-hmm. on the days when they are announcing, okay, at least over the last year, the results, their margins, you know, uh, you know, demand, all that sort of stuff. Um, the stock has not traded well. Investors are selling, and then they're selling it again. So, to me, the fact that the stock's down twenty percent as we head into their earnings that sets up for a, a pretty tricky thing. You know, it's not one that you really want to be pressing because I don't, there's I don't, a lot of bad news in it right I now. I don't think so. But to your point before we get out, when fundamentals ma- the the four or six times a year that fundamentals do matter in this stock, the stock is traded lower. Yeah. And I think that's an important takeaway. The rest of the time, animal spirits take over. But that's it. That's I want it. to thank Butters. Does tremendous work. He wasn't with us. He's probably in Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, that's, that's where, where he, he spends goes. a lot of time, Michigan. Of course, Carter Braxton Worth from Parts Unknown. He looks like he's like in a state somewhere. Probably. Like, remember Batman, like stately Wayne Manor? Yeah. Rangers play tonight in Las Vegas. Uh, no Jack Eichel for Las Vegas. So maybe the Rangers are catching a break. It feels like they've righted the ship over the last couple games. We'll see how that manifests tonight. By the way, as you know, Capo Caco is back and he Mm -hmm. looks good. And Alexei Lafreniere is showing the league why he was the number one pick in the draft, as you know. By the way, Spike Eskin leaving WFAN as program director. Announced yesterday. He's going to do the drive time show in his hometown of Philadelphia. Isn't that funny? Of course he is, because that's fun. 
Isn't it like that's yeah. fun? Drive time show. Spike's a big fan. I know. And his uncle and his he's got yeah, all the whole shebang. I think it was we got to get Spike on before he leaves. Let's do that. But that's it. We'll see you Monday. Enjoy the rest of the day. Folks. See you guys. Thanks.